But if you close your eyes Does it almost feel like nothing changed at all? Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Altoona. And the Green Bay Packers, for one half, looked exactly as we expected them to look against the Atlanta Falcons. The second half was a different story, but ultimately, the result was the same. The Packers winning a wild 43-37 to game last night in the light snow at Lambeau Field. They start December with a victory, and they have gotten their way to 10 wins uh, with three games let yet to go. So all of their goals are still in front of them, but a few more questions uh, raised by this last game than we've had in recent weeks. And, Matt, I have to bring you in here. This is a tough one to evaluate because it was really the tale of two halves. What was your biggest take from this game? It's almost hard to formulate an opinion on a game like that Because like, like you said, it was so different Because that first half was just incredible I mean, they're running all over them The defense looked good Rodgers is looking as good as he ever has And then for whatever reason, in the second half um, I mean, the offense becomes more conservative Which is, is fine, you kind of expect that But the defense just gave up then everything They couldn't cover Julio Jones Matt Ryan was hitting everything he was throwing mm-hmm. It's... I guess I know a lot of people today, I know you texted me last night that you didn't think this team had a shot to win a Super Bowl anymore. In heat of the moment, of course, your yeah, opinion might have yeah. changed today. And I, but I have heard that opinion from a couple other people today as well, that it just seems like this shows the weaknesses that we've seen in this defense over the past few years. I guess I wouldn't go that far, but uh, I, I'm not feeling great about the win, but it's a win. And I guess if this is going to be your blip that you have towards the end of the year, it's not that bad. I, I guess I'm not ready to throw in the towel yet. It wasn't a, a convincing win at the end, but I'm, I'm not ready to uh, call it quits on a Super Bowl. Yeah, and that's why we don't, uh, one of many reasons why we don't do the podcast immediately following the game. And uh, one of them is I'm a person who's very reactionary during the games, and I kind of like the time to make my opinion more valid by thinking about it, looking at things long term. And yeah, I don't feel great about the win yesterday, but. It still was a win, and I guess I'm going to table my fears about the defense for one more week. Um, It would seem a little silly to assume that this defense that has has struggled so much the last several years would just put Clay Matthews in at middle linebacker and never struggle again. I mean, that would be kind of ridiculous to expect. And like you said, the first half, they were very good. You saw kind of shades of them not fully controlling that game like they have in, you know, against the Bears and against the Eagles. They got a turnover, but still held them to seven points. That second half, I really don't know what happened. I don't know if it was the no huddle or the fact that they just had no answer for Julio Jones. And I felt, like I said, I felt really bad about it, but now the more I thought about it, I need another week of data before I really panic about this defense. This could be the 97 Colts game, where the Packers had a really good defense for all right. of 96. 97, they were great, and then all of a sudden they play Paul Justin in a horrible 0-10 Colts team and just get absolutely torched, and then after that, they turn it back on again, and all the way up until when they lost to a really, really all-time great offense against Denver in the Super Bowl, they had a really solid defense. So I think i got to wait another week before I say that it's over for this team. And I actually looked at it, too, and... As much as Atlanta has struggled this year, and Matt Ryan had an unbelievable game, Julio Jones for a while there looked like he might threaten Flipper Anderson's single-game record, Julio Jones destroyed Patrick Peterson last week. And that Cardinals defense, the Packers gave up 465 yards to Atlanta. Arizona gave up 500 even. So... And they're one of the best, yeah. Exactly, and they recovered against Kansas City this week, so... It's the Falcons, and they're five and eight. They were four and twelve last year, but yeah, believe it or not, I'm not ready yet. If they let Kyle Orton throw for 400 yards, <laughs> then I'm gonna hit the panic button big time. 
Yeah, I think that's a big thing, too, is I think this offense, we, we've known they're talented for the Falcons, I'm saying, and it mm-hmm. just seems like this is finally what we were expecting to see. And you almost feel a little bad for them that they don't get any credit for that loss last night because they looked <laughs> yeah. so good in the second half, and that offense was so good. I mean, I think Julio Jones was unstoppable. and Like you said, he did it against an elite corner the week before. So, yeah, you have to cover a guy better than that. But he's maybe he's healthy now, and he's just as elite as it gets at this point in time. And Matt Ryan was lights out. I mean, he hit everything yeah. in that second half. So it, it does scare me a little bit with the defense. But I, I also don't know. I mean, when you think about a team like Seattle and some of the other teams you run into in the playoffs potentially, Sanchez, Stafford, I honestly, I would say I don't know if any of them can put up the kind of night that Matt Ryan put up last night in terms of accuracy. Yeah, I think you got a good point there. I don't think Russell Wilson's going to do that or Stafford. You worry a little bit about Dallas, but I think that you can rattle Romo. And and the thing that is hard to, I don't know, this is another point I want to get into, but you got to have the total package. So Seattle's got that amazing defense, but I don't think they have the offense to do what Atlanta did yesterday, at Lambeau at least. Um, Dallas is kind of the same way, but their defense isn't as good as Seattle. So in the one side, all you see is Atlanta absolutely unstoppable in the second half, and the Packers' offense, literally not even trying, was basically conceded the chance to score 50 points for the third time in a row at Lambeau Field. I mean, or I'm sorry, for the third time in four games. So I think we got to remember that we have a ridiculous offense who just got a little bit annoyed and like, all right, Atlanta, you're getting close. Fine, we'll just throw a 65-yard touchdown to Jordy. Would you leave us alone now? I mean, <laughs> so I think it, it's all that balance. they got to tighten it up. They can't keep doing that. But, yeah, I think you're right. I think uh, this Atlanta offense, especially with the unique matchup of Julio Jones, I don't know if they're going to see this again uh, with that, that matchup of an a- semi-accurate quarterback and a really elite level receiver. They might not see that again all year. So the thing I wanted to bring up, though, um, having said all of that, we will talk about the offense because they were spectacular again, but it almost feels like you know complimenting the supermodels on how good they look. I mean, it's just we've come to expect this from this great, great offense. But one of the things I heard on the radio today, there were such... I don't know how much you listened to or read, but to me there was such a polarized opinion about this game where you had people saying the sky is falling, the season's over, fire Dom Capers right now, and we don't have a chance anymore. And on the other side, it was people completely writing off everything, like, oh, there's nothing to be concerned about. Um, big deal, this is the Atlanta Falcons, like it was something to be impressed by that the Falcons were that great. And I think the truth obviously is in the middle, but one of the things I hear all the time, and was one of the main reasons I, uh, that we wanted to do this podcast in the first place, or at least on my end, I hate hearing the phrase that Aaron Rodgers is so good that all he needs is a good enough defense. And that's not true. Good enough defense will not be good enough. We've had good enough defenses for most of the Packers' history that we've watched when we've had two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and the only Super Bowls they won was with the number one defense in 1996 and the number two defense in 2010. I think that, yes, you don't have to panic, but this idea that the offense can be this great and take them to the Super Bowl, unless Aaron Rodgers just goes lights out, and he plays like Montana in 89 or Young in 94 or like Flacco two years ago, which the reason people like me remember those guys is because it doesn't happen too often. Rodgers basically has to have three touchdowns, no picks, not very many punts. That's the only way that they're going to just outrun everybody all the way to the Super Bowl. You can't win every game to the Super Bowl 43-37. to 37. And I, I guess I don't know if there's anything to add about this that we haven't said already, but gosh, is that stick in my craw when people said, oh, there's nothing wrong because th- this team only needs a good enough defense. They clearly have their head in the sand and haven't been paying attention to Packers football the last 25 years. Yeah, I mean, that's that's maybe all you need to have a shot, but that's just a shot. You're probably not going to... I mean, it's possible, I guess, is the point, but you're, you're probably not going to win a championship. As you mentioned, it happens like once a decade Yeah, where a team manages to put that together. Just an incredible quarterback run to do it without a great level defense so yeah it's uh i guess it, it gives you, it's enough to give you a shot if your defense is okay but really when you look at the the stretch run here and if you've got to win four games you're not going to do it with a poor defense 
No, and and or an, I guess I should say an average defense if we're going off that point. Yeah, that's that's basically what I'm getting at. I mean, if you look at the Super Bowl run in 2010, which is my biggest pet peeve in the world, where they say, "Oh, Aaron Rodgers had a good enough defense that year." Again, second in the NFL in points allowed, and his worst start from a passer rating standpoint in his career was the NFC Championship game, and they won 21 to 14. And one of those 21 po- or one of those three touchdowns was a defensive score. Mm-hmm. I mean, so. No, you can't just have a good enough defense. This defense definitely has to get better. And I, I understand the argument, they got a shot. But fine, that's like saying my business plan is to take this wad of cash and buy a whole bunch of Powerball tickets, and then we'll start. A, <laughs> then, then we'll have some cash flow. I mean, that's, that's a stupid idea. And obviously that's a very exaggerated example of that. Um, I think... We should talk a little bit about the offense. I thought it was really encouraging to see how strong the rushing game was. I I know Atlanta's defense stinks, but 30 carries for 179 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Eddie Lacy had uh, 13 carries for 73 yards. Stark had 10 carries for 75 yards. And Aaron Rodgers had some very clever runs, five attempts for 28 yards. And to me... They could have ran for 250 if they actually would have wanted to. It, it felt like for some reason in the second half they went all Jason Garrett week 15 of last year and just said, yeah, you know what, yeah, they're coming back, so let's just throw a lot and keep this clock from moving too fast. Yeah, I um, I was really happy with the balance between Starks and Lacey last night. I I think early in the year we had talked about this after Starks had a nice game, and I had mentioned that I, I kind of wished that they would keep the carries almost even, mm-hmm. just because they seem like such a good one-two punch, and, and Starks is so explosive when he's in there instead of Lacey on, on just the few carries he gets, and that's what they did last night. He got three less carries and ran for seven and a half yards a pop. I mean, that's exactly what we saw last year, yep. and I, I don't have his rushing numbers in front of me from the last few weeks, but it seems like they've kind of forgotten about him. He's had two carries in the last, in the previous two games for a total of uh, minus two yards. Wow. <laughs> so I was really excited to see him out on the field last night and get that touchdown to start and then just kept it rolling after that, too. And Lacey was running super hard. I just think they complement each other so well. So I was really glad to see that balance. Yeah, it was strange to see Starks on that final drive there. Yeah, after Lacey had taken you all the way down there and they let him punch it, and that was kind of weird. Yeah, and Lacey is listed as questionable with a hip injury, I see on the injury report, but it feels like he's kind of like Charles Woodson, where he's listed every week as questionable. Um, so, And I, I haven't heard anything about it, and usually if some guy's injured, you type his name into Google, and the first three news articles are about him being hurt, and it yeah. doesn't say that about Lacey, so I'm wondering if uh, maybe they're just like, he's a little bit banged up, and James Starks has had a hot night, so let's just run with it. Sure. But, yeah, do you think he should have tried to score harder at the end there or not? Starks? Um, uh, I don't I don't know. I I guess I don't have too strong of an opinion on that. I mean, things turned out pretty well. I guess I'm not too mad about it. Yeah, I, I'm not mad about it either. The I think, obviously, it had zero impact on the game, um, and I, I don't think Atlanta would have won had they scored. But the thing I was thinking this morning is I saw the score again, and it was 43-37. to 37. I'm like, gosh, I mean, we almost lost that game. If, yeah. they, if they win... 50 to 37 with the game being identical minus one extra yard we would have been like oh wow that was scary for a few minutes but we put them away like we were supposed to right so man i mean yeah. can you imagine had they lost that game though i mean i i think just maybe the packers felt the same as me as i kind of slept through the beginning of the second half because you're like this thing is over and it kind of felt like everything was over mm-hmm. if you go back back and lose that game i mean it it could ruin your whole season because if, if you lose one of the next few before Detroit, then you're basically out of the division race. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it see, they had control of the whole thing, but just like that, you could have lost that one and, and had it snatched away from you. So thank goodness they didn't because that would have been one of the worst losses we've seen. Did you ever legitimately feel like they had a chance to lose the game? Uh, right near the end for a little bit. Most of the second half I was still feeling okay, but right near the end when they got it down to just that little bit, you knew there was a chance. And I think it was more because I was so scared of what the feeling would be like if they did lose it. Yeah. I think I was confident they could hold on, but just the thought of how bad that loss would be, I think, was what kind of scared me into it a little bit at the end. I thought so for a little bit. Um, I mean, I... Whenever I'm watching the game, I'm always just ranting and raving just because it's kind of a way to expel my nervous energy that I have. But I think the only time I was really worried was that last onside kick. I'm like, if they recover this, they're going to win. 
uh, because they could not stop that Atlanta offense yeah. at all. And then was, I'm like, well, they got three timeouts. Maybe they won't kick it that way. And then they had that really weird onside kick. I have no idea what they were doing with that, that they just kind of almost squibbed. And then after that, I'm like, this game is over. There's a 0% chance the, that the Packers aren't going to run this clock out because Atlanta, even though the Packers had been settling for field goals and had been kind of almost messing around on offense in that second half, yeah. when they had to do it, I had absolutely no uh, confidence that Atlanta was going to be able to stop the Packers. So, sure. uh, But it's still a, just a weird game. Like Even this morning, I just really didn't know how to feel about this one but like I said I guess we'll take the win we'll be 10 and 3 you're still basically if you win out you're probably going to have home field throughout the playoffs and uh, we'll wait till next week to to panic about the real problems because maybe they won't surface ever again Mm -hmm. the Atlanta uh, I guess I was going to bring up that Atlanta defense again but I don't know why I have that on here twice I don't want to bring up the Atlanta defense again they're absolutely (laughs) terrible um (laughs) I think, um, what do you think about that Julio Jones stuff? I actually talked to one of my coworkers who was at the game, and he said that that's as confused as he's seen the defense in a long time, that he felt some guys were playing man while some guys were playing zone. Do you think that that's a Julio Jones thing, that Sam Shields got exposed a little bit, or maybe it's just a byproduct of Shields not practicing and uh, the team kind of just quitting at halftime? <laughs> I mean, it's probably definitely a little bit of both, but I mean, he made some incredible catches. He did find himself really wide open at times, which is shocking when he's already caught, you know, like 100 yards worth of balls already at that point, and he's still somehow wide open, and he's really the only guy you have to account for on that offense most times. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think it definitely a combination of, of being rusty in either scheme or somebody messing up out there, for sure. It was... uh it was kind of embarrassing, though. It just seemed like they weren't even trying on him at, at some times. That he beat guys at, at some times, but to be that open for an elite receiver like that was kind of shocking. My opinion of him is much higher than it was going into, you know, the weekend because I hadn't seen a ton of him. He was hurt all of last year, and there's yeah. just so many good wide receivers now. It's really hard to rank them outside of Megatron. I mean, he's probably the best, but outside of that, I mean, what's the difference between Jordy Nelson and and some of these, A.J. Green, I mean, you can't really compare them, they're all the same, they're all really good and hard to beat, but Julio Jones almost took it to the next level there, and I, uh, I, I guess I would put him in that upper echelon, like I said, you get into the Des Bryant uh, and A.J. Green and the Jordy Nelson kind of category, they're all basically the same, but I wasn't sure I would put Julio Jones that high, and now having seen him play yesterday, maybe against a disinterested Packers defense, but nonetheless, I think you got to put him in that category. Well, yeah, and he was kind of on the brink of that a couple of years ago, too, and he had a really good year, and they got hurt right away last year. But I think it's just because he has the physical tools that you might have a guy like Jeremy Macklin, who's your number one, who's just playing lights out and is really good, but you're like, yeah, is he really a number one? Because you, you're looking at a guy like Calvin Johnson or Julio Jones that's huge and built and fast as heck and catches everything. Yeah. So, I mean, really, he's got a, kind of an advantage over everybody else in terms of that, too. So I, he could definitely be, by the end of the year, be considered you know top three for sure, I think, just because he's got all the physical tools. Yeah, nobody ever called him deceptively fast yesterday no. like Jordy Nelson. So right. um, I don't think that'll probably ever happen to him. Um, yeah, I really don't have a whole lot more. Aaron Rodgers played absolutely great again. He's got to be... I started getting paranoid after Andrew Luck uh, came back against the Browns, and I've praised Andrew Luck a lot on here, but I have a feeling that he's going to win the MVP. Aaron Rodgers right now, 3,600 yards, 35 touchdowns, three interceptions, 119 quarterback rating. And that's with three games to go. So he could get up over 40 touchdowns, probably won't throw over five interceptions. But I just feel like Andrew Luck's got some of those comebacks. He's going to have like 5,500 yards. I know it's all against crap teams, but Aaron Rodgers... Is there any chance that a guy like Luck or maybe somebody else takes the MVP away from him? Anything can happen over the next the next few weeks, but I don't think so. I, I think you just kind of get that vibe from listening to the media, and I listen to ESPN Radio almost every day, and it's a consensus right now that Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the NFL. And I think what about I mean, Colin not, Cowherd? Is he going to say he's the second best yeah, quarterback I mean, on the, the field only guy against Buffalo? He's been saying Luck's the best quarterback in the NFL for three years now, probably. Yeah. So, yeah. but I mean, other than that, it's it's a no brainer. At this point, I think I, I think Demarco Murray had a shot at first, and he still could. He might run for two thousand yards, 
um, which I think that might be the biggest competitor to, to Rodgers, but the quarterback always seems to take it. So yeah. I uh, I guess I think Rodgers right now has like a 60% chance, I'd say. I, I don't see Luck winning it. I think Murray's is number two right now. Yeah, I think... Um, and J.J. Watt maybe even be ahead of Andrew Luck at this point, too. Yeah, it's possible, I, I suppose. Um, I, I know there's a lot of people fighting for that because there hasn't been a defensive one in, what, like 30 years or something? Uh, I think Lawrence Taylor was the yeah, last one in 86. But, yeah, who cares? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. MVP, it seems unfair, and it's very skewed towards offense. I, I don't want to get into the semantics of what it's called, but the best defensive player of all time is not as good as the fifth best quarterback in the NFL in a given year. They sure. just don't have enough impact on the game. <laughs> um, I don't. That's not fair to punish J.J. Watt for that, but he's had games where he's been spectacular, and the Texans lose 31 to 13. I mean, that's just how it works. You don't touch the ball. You're not. You can run away from those guys. And so I I don't know. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I really hope Rodgers does win it. Man, Rodgers is gonna throw 40 touchdowns and like three interceptions. Andrew Luck's gonna have 5,500 passing yards. Demarco Murray's gonna rush for 2,000 yards. Julio Jones just had 250 receiving yards. Somebody needs to go into options and adjust those sliders on the NFL right now. <laughs> Turn the defense up a little bit, yeah. Yeah, because it's getting to be ridiculous. All right, this is uh, Matt. Do you have any other thing? I feel like I asked this already. Do you have anything else you want to mention about this game before we talk about some other stuff? No, nope, let's close it up. Okay, so the Packers won. Uh, as far as our panic about the defense, we will wait until next week. And believe me, if they get torched by that Buffalo offense, uh, it'll get pretty lively on here because then I think the panic will be justified. But let's wait a week. This might just be their 1997 Indianapolis Colts hiccup game. I want to talk about Cam Newton. He was in a car accident today. It looked really bad from the photos. He broke a couple of bones in his back, like a fracture. It was basically the same thing that Tony Romo did to himself in the Redskins game this year. So I don't know what's going to happen with that. I hope he's okay. We don't have hardly any detail about it, so I don't want to speculate on it too much. But having said all that and reaffirming that I very much hope for the recovery of Cam Newton, he fights like a girl if you watch that Saints game. I mean, not even like a girl. That's unfair. I don't want to be sexist. He fights like a baby who just got candy taken from him and is real frustrated and doesn't know how to express it. That was the most hilarious fight ever. It should be the entire um, uh, microcosm of the entire NFC South season because he's trying to celebrate early in the game with a 3-8 and eight record. He tries to do a Superman thing, gets pushed, then he does like a double fist smash that looked totally like a baby. you got to look up the gifts for that. Then the rest of the teams come and push and plow both fighting teams through a temporary wall at the Superdome, and like three guys topple through it. It's the stupidest, most hilarious fight I've ever seen, and uh, makes r- confirms my opinion about how stupid both of those teams are. <laughs> I guess I saw the fight, but I, I don't know if I saw the double hammer throw by, by Cam Newton, and I definitely didn't see the wall portion, so I'm going to have to go back and watch that again. I think SB Nation had a article that had the the gif files in it and you gotta see it like you should look it up right now because it's hilarious how he the guy has almost i don't know if he's trying to grab him or something and cam was gonna hit him and then thought twice about it but he looks exactly like a toddler doing a temper tantrum it's it's really funny and i guess while you're looking that up can you believe new orleans just getting stomped by a carolina team that hasn't won since the summer (laughs) No, I, it's unreal what is going on with that team. It seemed like they only showed up for our game this year. For that offense to be that bad, Carolina's defense stinks, and they just completely shut them down yesterday. That was maybe the most shocking thing of the day. Yeah, they had, I think, what, they, they won under Sean Payton something like 19 in a row at the Superdome or something like that, and then they've lost four in a row now since that Packers won. And, yeah, I... I don't know. It just seems really, really strange what's going on with that team. But although I still am very afraid of what could happen if uh, if that team makes the playoffs. Well, yeah, based on playing a few teams in that division, I think that uh, I'm kind of rooting for Atlanta now because I think after what they did last night, maybe I respect them more than any of the other teams. Maybe uh, Carolina can go on a little run here with Derek Anderson if they have to play. If you haven't found it yet, Matt, I've found it. I can send it over your way if I can figure this out here. 
I'm watching it. It's just, yeah, I'm watching the gift right now. <laughs> oh, there goes the wall. <laughs> Did you see the baby part yet, or is that not on there? Yeah, there, it's, it's like super fast motion. Yeah, he's like throwing hammer fists down on the guy's head. Yeah, yeah that's pretty great. Yeah. Oh, here's in slow motion. Okay, this is what I needed to see here. <laughs> yeah, I'm watching the super fast motion one where it's like a delayed, like, Almost like yeah. a fake double axe handle thing there. He's, <laughs> you know, he's still, oh, I, I'm, I guess I'll, yeah, that's pretty great. I don't want to make too much fun of him because I, I sure hope he's not seriously injured today. But, um, you know, what are your thoughts about this now where this current crop of quarterback that came in the NFL in 2011 and 2012, you have Cam Newton, uh, which I just got uh, alert as we speak from the Yahoo Sports app that says he's, likely going to miss week 15, but these guys were going to change the face of the NFL quarterback, and they were going to be the new way to do things, him and Kaepernick and RG3 and Russell Wilson and Andrew Luck, and outside of Luck, who still makes a lot of mistakes, and Russell Wilson, who we've talked about on a lot of uh, these podcasts, and I think other people sort of agree, is not quite elite i mean he's he's effective i guess is the best way to describe him he throws it away at a maddeningly frequent frequent rate um but i don't know what what do you make of all these guys and what are the future of the main ones that have been having trouble newton kaepernick and rg3 who not only have plateaued as players but seem to have plateaued as people a little bit with teammates yeah yeah. it's so strange it it, it's almost going to seem like it's going to stop teams from drafting quarterbacks so high because they all have these monster egos, it seems like, yeah. that are maybe affecting them from being coachable and, and playing any better than they're playing. So, Because, I mean, you look at the few that are in that category are, are Newton, Griffin, and Kaepernick, mm-hmm. all guys that everybody knew had big egos going in. And they hit high at first, and then, for whatever reason, they just completely fell off. So mm-hmm. I think maybe, if anything, it, a guy like Russell Wilson maybe – doesn't have that, or Andrew Luck doesn't have that kind of mentality, so maybe they're more successful because of that, yeah. and it keeps them motivated, so maybe it kind of keeps people shying away from guys like Jameis Winston coming out, who seems kind of like that same profile. Yeah, and he's got some of the tangible reasons to avoid him, too. Yeah. I guess uh, the new quarterbacks, you either are a cocky guy who's overrated, like Kaepernick and Cam Newton and RG3, or you're just a straight-up dweeb, like Andrew yeah. Luck and uh, Russell Wilson. But at least the dweebs are having more success. And I think there. Mariota's kind of that same way, too. <laughs> he's he's, he's kind of dweeb. Nerdy. Yeah. <laughs> what about Andy Dalton? He's in that class, too, and, and I don't even well, just know. just because you're a dweeb doesn't mean you're awesome. Not every dweeb can be good. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's a lesson for all the draftees from next year. Is it, not all dweebs are good. So, just but a quarterback that isn't a dweeb is no good. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> this is like a Yogi Berra type yep. quotes there. The other thing I wanted to bring up uh, before we go to our week 15 picks real quick, and then we'll we'll wrap it up. Being a Tuesday show, and we we got other commitments, and uh, you know this was a weird game. We already talked about it. The referees in Denver made a call, and then they fist-bumped each other. And apparently that was some big controversy. I just took it to mean it was a difficult call. They coordinated with one another as they're supposed to. The one guy made a good call, so the other guy's like, boy, like you do at work if you do something good with one of your coworkers. You have a successful meeting or whatever. Um, I don't think I've ever actually fist-bumped anybody at work, now having said that, but I'm giving them a pass. The fans of Buffalo were just very up in arms. There was a lot of articles talking about how bad the referees were. There were three other calls in the Buffalo game. This fist bump was evidence that the referees were in favor of Denver trying to screw the Buffalo Bills. And I don't know if you saw this or what your reaction to it was. I actually haven't seen it. I haven't had much of a chance to pay attention too much to the sports talk today or anything. But do you you know what the call was on that? Yeah, it was like a touchdown at the goal line where they weren't sure if he crossed or not. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it was nothing. It maybe should have been something they would have avoided knowing they're on camera. Yeah. In a situation like that, but I'm sure that's exactly what it was. I mean, these guys work together all the time. They're probably friends. It probably was, I'm sure it was nothing, but of course, if you're on the losing side and you've got calls against you, I probably would have been mad about that too. If it, if it, after that Seahawks, uh, fail Mary play, you've seen the referees fist bump. I mean, we would have probably, <laughs> 
probably rioted, so I, I can understand their frustration, but I'm sure it was nothing. Yeah, but this one on replay was clear that he had gotten over the line, and I got news for all these fans. Us, we'll just start with Buffalo here. This is not evidence that everybody wants Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl and they want to beat you into the ground so that you move to Toronto. I got There is totally referee ineptitude, but it's a boring reason. It has absolutely nothing to do with them favoring one team over another. They had a game where the Eagles probably field screwed because uh, Russell Wilson threw a pass three yards past the line of scrimmage, and there was a bunch of other really stupid calls in that game. They don't care if it's Denver against Seattle in the Super Bowl. If there is a decree from the NFL that leads to all of these hastily made horrible calls, it's not, we need Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl. It's CBS paid $2 billion for this game, and they really want 60 minutes to start at 6.30. (laughs) So get moving. I don't care if it's touchdowns. I don't care who wins the game. This has to be over at 6.30. I think... uh, so we're all getting screwed, all 32 fan bases. So doesn't that just make you feel together with the rest of them? Oh, yeah, we can all bond over it. Yeah, there you go. So just when uh, you think, why are we even fighting? We should go after the the, the referees, right, rather yeah. than <laughs> play? No, I don't, I don't know. They're, I, whatever. <laughs> okay, the uh, week 15, I promised that I was going to put our picks and tabulate them, and, of course, I did not do that. Uh, I'll do that I'm not even going to promise I'll do it next week, but someday we'll know who won the picks challenge that we had this year. And uh, we're going to start on Thursday, which actually is going to be a very big game for the Packers, the Cardinals at the Rams. And uh, I don't know if we want to launch into this right here, but if, if the Cardinals beat the Rams, and then if they beat Seattle the following week, they'll clinch the NFC West and... I guess we could talk about that Seattle-Philly game real quick before we launch into this because the big thing now is everybody is looking in their rearview mirror at Seattle and they're starting to look a little scary. Do you think that maybe this is the best team in the NFL and I guess how scared should the Packers be? I'll say no in terms of the best team in the NFL. I would still put the Packers there, but if they played each other, I'd probably pick Seattle. I, I think the Packers are the best team, but it's just such a bad matchup that I don't have any confidence in the Packers against Seattle. Even if it's at home, I don't. So right now I think the Packers are the best team, but I don't want any piece of Seattle. I, I don't know if they'd beat everybody. I don't know if they'd make another Super Bowl run. But uh, that's just the one team that I don't have any confidence beating. Yeah, and everything ebbs and flows so much in the modern NFL. We played in September, and Seattle crushed us. If you would have stuck Seattle on that schedule between the Philly and Chicago games, I think Green Bay would have whooped them. Yep. If they would have played on Sunday, Seattle would have won by two touchdowns. So it's it's weird, and hopefully the momentum can swing back towards the Packers by the time the playoffs begin. It's just a hard matchup, I think, for everybody with Seattle because their defense is so good, it's so fundamentally sound, and they don't have to do anything crazy to pressure you. So, like, the Packers and Denver and even, like, the Saints, their whole offensive strategy is to create chaos, create mismatches. Well, you can't create mismatches when you're like, hey, we're going to bring Jordy Nelson over here, and Richard Sherman's like, okay, I'm coming with you. You're like, no, you're supposed to let a linebacker cover him. They're like, no, I'm I'm not going to do that. This is our defense. We're just going to play this way every single play. What are you going to do? And so I think uh, that... I still think they have a chance at Lambeau, especially if Eddie Lacy plays well. But, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, the Packers' defense is better than it's been, which makes you feel a lot better than you have in years past. So I think they've got a better shot. Seattle has a little less firepower than they've had. So definitely better chances than they've had the last few years, at least, I guess. Yeah. If I see Russell Wilson at an autograph signing, I want to run at him and see if he throws the whole table like out of bounds real fast without even thinking about it. Because I don't know of anybody who throws the ball away faster than him. It almost makes him impossible to watch. I hate watching Russell Wilson. I hate his commercials. I hate his his stupid run out of the pocket all the time. I feel like he can't even read defenses because there's no way that their pass def- or their passing offense is designed for him to run around for 20 seconds and then either scramble or throw it to an open guy or three seconds into the play run and throw it out of bounds. It just I don't understand anything about that defense. It's very frustrating to watch. Their offense, I should say. You got no comment on that? Nothing. Okay. But yeah, yeah Russell Wilson is annoying. <laughs> 
<laughs> I probably could have said that instead of my whole little rant. <laughs> Those there. commercials are the worst thing ever made. They're so cheesy. <laughs> it's so bad. I, I I have to mute it when they come on. I can't handle him anymore. Yeah, I. They're they're really bad. Although I still think there's only one NFL player that looks worse in their ads, and that's uh, Justin Tuck who claims to like the Subway oven-roasted chicken breast sandwich. <laughs> that thing's hard part city. I, I would never eat another one of those in my life. It was a total accident the last time I got it, and I just, if I was him, I would have completely demanded a rewrite of that script. All right, Cardinals at Rams, who's going to win? This is a really hard one. I uh, They're almost identical. They're like elite defenses. I think the Rams D is probably playing a little bit better right now, but they both have these kind of bad... Older, been around the block quarterbacks and some bad offenses overall. It, the Rams have been definitely playing a little bit better lately. I guess I'll take them at home, but I mean, there's really nothing separating these two teams right now. It's it means more for the Cardinals, which might make a difference. But I guess I'll take St. Louis. They've been playing really well. Yeah, and it looks like Andre Ellington was put on injured reserve. Wow. I have no idea how Arizona's going to score points the rest of the season. Yeah, and, and Fitz is banged up. So, I mean, they've got a couple of receivers, John Brown and, and Malcolm Floyd. And, but, yeah, I, that's probably not enough. They only have a 1,000 rushing yards as a team, and Ellington has almost 700 of them. So I don't – yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Rams shut them out. <laughs> I mean, 17 nothing, something like that. The Cardinals are in deep trouble. So I'll I'll pick the Rams in this one. I, I hope they win, because I think we need them to, at least for a while. The Jaguars at the Ravens. Um, I will take the Ravens in this game. Yeah, I guess me too. <laughs> that means the Jaguars are going to win, but I'll, I'll take Baltimore. <laughs> well, it's in Baltimore. I mean, I feel like we've picked Jacksonville a number of times, and it never works out. The Panthers at Buccaneers. Big-time matchup for uh, playoff positioning in the NFC South. Um, probably... In, Likely Derek Anderson at quarterback for the Panthers. Yeah, that might make a difference, but uh, I don't know. Maybe Carolina looked pretty good last week. If their defense plays defense, they'll shut down that offense probably. So I'll take Carolina. Yeah, um, you know it's what? tough though with a backup quarterback. <laughs> I mean, Josh McCown's basically a backup quarterback as well. Yeah, and he's got about uh, three forearms to the face from Sue in that game. Uh, I don't know if you yeah. watched how much of that game, but. Ugh. Uh, Sue just does a brilliant job. I think he has a chart in his locker that says, I cheap shot a guy seven weeks ago, so the league office will probably forget if I they cheap for, shot Everybody him. forgot about it a little bit for now. So Yeah, so now I can cheap shot a guy, and then he's got like week one of next year circled on his calendar. That's when I can uh, go low on a quarterback again. I will pick the Buccaneers in this one. I think the Panthers had uh, were one-hit wonders last week. Bengals at Browns. I have no idea what to pick here. Hmm, that Browns defense looked so good last week, and Cincinnati's so hit or miss. I th- oh, I think Cleveland... Manziel is going to start. They just announced that yeah. today. And I think I'm going to pick Cleveland in this one, too. I, they're desperate, their defense is playing well, and, and Cincinnati's so hard to judge. I, I just think Cleveland needs it, so they'll they'll win this one. Um, i got to check real quick to see if Andy Dalton's going to play, because I thought he left with an injury, didn't he? Oh, I didn't hear that. Maybe I imagine that, but I thought maybe maybe he just left for a couple plays. I saw it on Red Zone and he came back. So he's not even listed on their injury report. So I will – oh, man. Yeah, Cincinnati's defense kind of stinks this year. They stink across the board. I don't know how the heck they're 8-4. Yeah. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll just take Cleveland. I think uh, Johnny Menzel, as much as he might be a liability as an actual player as time goes on, he certainly has an energy about him. And uh, I think, and they're winning with Hoyer, and, yeah. and he's uh, he's been playing really, really bad. Yeah, they should have beat Indy too. So I'll take the Browns at home. The Texans at the Colts. Uh, I will take the Colts in this one. I don't really have much to add. Yeah, I guess I will too. Um, I, I had a little hard time with that one, but I'll take Indianapolis. Yeah, the Raiders at the Chiefs. Big rematch of a game a couple weeks ago. The Chiefs. I don't know what the heck happened to them. Yeah, they're a weird team, but I think they bounce back here. I'll take Kansas City. Yeah, I'll take them too. I think it's just that they don't score enough. That, that those kind of weird losses are going to happen to teams that don't score that much. Because mm-hmm. you're playing tight games, artificially manufactured tight games every single week because you just don't score. You don't have a chance like the Packers when you're playing against a lesser team to just run them off the field. Right. You're never going to do that. So, yeah, but I'll take the Chiefs to beat the Raiders here. 
despite the Raiders' very big, odd win over the 49ers. The Dolphins at Patriots, I think, or the Colts can clinch against the Texans. I think the Patriots might be able to clinch by beating Miami, too. Yeah, I would imagine so. Um, they've got to be at least a couple games up already, so and they're probably over Miami. So mm-hmm. I, uh, I'll take the Patriots at home. Yeah, I think so, too. Miami is a team that I've defended quite a bit on here, and I thought was you know, the best team that wasn't going to make the playoffs, and then they barely beat the Jets, and they get stomped at home by Baltimore. So um, that's a weird team. you think anything will happen with Philbin, or do you think they'll have the uh, resolve, or not the resolve, but the wherewithal to give him one more season? Yeah, I think they definitely should. I, I mean, they they didn't win the games they had to down the stretch to make the playoffs, I would think, unless they make a big push here. But I, he's gotten that team that I don't think is that talented in a, in a pretty good spot. So I think they're promising. I don't know why you'd get rid of them. Yeah, and they've had a really tough schedule too. But yeah, owners do weird things. As much as we complain about McCarthy and, and Dom Capers, the problem of holding on to a guy a year too long is probably better than getting rid of a guy a year too soon, I would For say. For sure, yep. The Redskins at the Giants, uh, another team with quarterback upheaval. It has been basically that way all season. But Washington, I'm not sure who they're going to start here. Uh, Colt McCoy is questionable with a neck injury. And is Kirk Cousins hurt, or is he just so bad that nobody's even going to consider putting him back? <laughs> I completely field? forgot about him. I didn't even think of him as an option here. Yeah, I don't know. I would think he's hurt if he's not even been an option. He was pretty bad when he played, but yeah. I would bet it's RG3 probably. But I'll take the I'll take the Giants no matter what. Yeah, I think I'll agree with you. I didn't know Jerry Rice's son was on the Redskins. Oh, I didn't either. He's on injured reserve. He didn't play it all this year, but his name is Jerry Rice Jr. So Okay. Is he a receiver as well? He is. I want to see him play now. I didn't even know there was a Jerry Rice Jr. Where did he go to school? Probably the same place, Mississippi uh, Valley. Uh, let's see. Um, UNLV. Huh. Hmm. I guess I didn't watch uh, enough Mountain West football. No, in here. I will also take the Giants. The Redskins are awful. Well, are they going to fire Jay Gruden, you think? Yeah, probably. Even after they're, one year? They're just too bad. It's one thing to be bad with a quarterback turmoil, but they're just too bad. I think if you're bad, but the players still buy in, yeah, you're okay. It's just been such a mess, it seems like, in the locker room. Yeah, I, I don't understand what's going on there. I thought Jay Gruden was going to be a pretty good coach, and maybe he just got the wrong job, but uh, maybe RG3 is just the most toxic player in NFL history. Yeah, probably. The Steelers at the Falcons. Oh, this is a really weird game. You know what, I think I'm going to take Atlanta. I Still, I'm a little gun-shy about Pittsburgh on the road. Yeah, and you're probably right, and I think Atlanta's turning it on, but I'll take Pittsburgh here. I mean, they're right in the division hunt. I guess Atlanta is, too. They're probably still number one today, aren't they? Yeah, they're tied with New Orleans, uh, so they've clinched. uh, That whole division has clinched a uh, 500 or worse division champion. The Falcons, because they beat New Orleans week one, People keep saying Atlanta's leading the division, but there's a 0% chance. Well, I don't know. I was going to say all year I was just kind of waiting because I figured that New Orleans would beat Atlanta in the rematch, but they've gotten killed four straight weeks in uh, the Superdome. So I don't know. But, yes, they are leading right now by a tie. I guess I I think Le'Veon Bell runs all over that defense, and I don't think Atlanta can match that. So I'll take Pittsburgh. Here's a question that I asked of you yesterday via text, and uh, I wanted to... Maybe talk about it a little bit here. Do you think the Packers missed on Le'Veon Bell, or do you think Lacey's still... I mean, Lacey's clearly not poor, but do you think in the long run, who do you think's going to be the better pick? I think I'd, I'd say Le'Veon is, but it, it's I, maybe it's too early, or they're too close to really have remorse at this point yet for that yeah. pick. I, uh, I, I think Lacey's great, and maybe the systems have something to do with it. I think Le'Veon Bell is just a little bit more versatile, but but Lacey's catching the ball out of the backfield too, so I, yeah. I'm I'm in no position to complain about Eddie Lacey right now. Yeah, and I think that was just my reaction to seeing that I had 41 points scored against my fantasy team by Le'Veon Bell this week. But yeah, I th- I think at the end of the day they're probably pretty similar. Maybe Le'Veon Bell maybe have an extra year or two, but neither of these guys are going to the Hall of Fame. I don't think so. It's probably a horse piece. Broncos at Chargers. So I think the Chargers are good, and I think Denver's good, but this will be an interesting game. I'm still not buying San Diego. I know they've got a good record, but after what I've seen, like in the middle of the season, where they, they I just think they're kind of average. I know Philip Rivers is pretty good, but he's not at that point yet. I think I'll take Denver on the road here. Yeah, um, 
they suddenly can run the ball well. I, I read an article that people said Peyton's done because he finally didn't throw a touchdown pass, and he's, he's struggled as of late. Yeah, the last couple of weeks haven't been good. Yeah, I guess I need a few more games, but Peyton's been so good. He's averaged like three touchdowns a game as a Bronco, and to not throw one at all, is, especially against a team like Buffalo at home, is a little bit troubling if you're a Bronco fan. But um, I think, yeah, overall, I think they're still a better team. So until Peyton has just a disastrous performance or it prolongs through the rest of the regular season, I guess I'm not quite buying that there's any problem at the quarterback position. So, yes, I will take Denver. The Jets at Titans, main event anywhere in the country. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll take the Jets on the road. I think the Titans, although their record might not be, I'll take them as the worst team in the NFL right now. Um, Jets at least have a little bit going on, I think, right now, so I'll take them. Yeah, and I think Mettenberger's hurt, right? Yes. Yeah, so... I think he's out for the year. Do you know what happened? I, I saw him on the ground on the Red Zone channel, but I don't even I don't happened. remember. I-, I saw it was a shoulder or something like that, I think. I, I don't know. Probably just got his helmet pushed over his eyes like Jake Locker back at Washington, and he thought he was knocked out. <laughs> so Locker will probably be starting again, right? Yeah, I saw. Healthy, you know. I think so. Um, yeah, Mettenberger is out indefinitely with a, a shoulder injury, and yeah, I would assume Jake Locker probably gets to play. They're going to have to get somebody new after this year, you would think, right? Locker. Well, they should be right up there. I mean, they might be uh, Mariota or Winston. Yeah. Uh, oof. They better stay away from Winston. Um, Mariota is going to. Yeah, we'll talk about that another day, but that's going to be weird. Um, I'll take the Jets, and actually, we were both making fun of the NFL for sending us Detroit and Tampa, and then also Jets-Vikings were our noon games on Sunday. And Jets-Vikings actually turned out to be a heck yeah, of a Yeah, that was a great game. game. Yeah, so it's It was kinda... pointless, but it was fun to watch. <laughs> I like the pointless, fun-to-watch games. That's it was one of my favorite parts of Sunday Ticket back in the day. So, yeah, um, yeah I think uh, I think the Jets will win. Tennessee's a total disaster. The Vikings at the Lions. Any chance that the Vikings could help us potentially clinch the division next week? I really want to pick Minnesota. I just don't think I can do it. Um, yeah, I guess Detroit has so much riding on this. Minnesota really doesn't. I'll, I'll stick with Detroit. But I, I think Minnesota does have a pretty good chance. Yeah, and I wonder if there is there an outside chance of Adrian Peterson playing? Probably not. Not that I've heard of. Yeah, I I just don't think Minnesota can score in Detroit, so it'll be another boring game and a slow blowout. But I think uh, Detroit will end up winning. And then some Titanic games to end the football Sunday: the 49ers at Seattle. Uh, as much as this rivalry has been noisy and people have said it's pretty heated the Seahawks have pretty much dominated it on the field and they crushed San Francisco the last two regular season games at this building is Sunday going to be any different no I don't think so I I I could definitely foresee an upset I think everybody's way down on San Francisco and rightfully so but it's such a good rivalry that I wouldn't be surprised but I think there's really no reason it seems Seattle at home they seem so much better I don't see any reason why they do lose but you never know with these crazy rivalry games but I will still pick Seattle yeah, I don't know a team in the NFL who's got to be feeling better about themselves than Seattle right now. Crushing San Francisco on Thanksgiving and then really pretty easily beating Philadelphia in Philadelphia. I think coming home to play their biggest rival, I think they're going to roll. I wouldn't be surprised if it was like a 49-3 kind of game. The Cowboys at Eagles, and this is another game that's, some well, not as important as it was now that Philadelphia has lost, but certainly for these two teams, the winner of this game probably takes the East. Yeah, it's hard to pick against Philly when they just rolled in Dallas a couple weeks ago. Now they're at home. Yeah. Um, Mark Sanchez looked pitiful on Sunday. Yeah, and that's always, and that's why I keep picking against Philadelphia is because of Mark Sanchez, and I guess I'll do it again. I'll take Dallas on the road here. Well, Dallas definitely played exactly how I predicted and, and definitely lost to the Bears, and, and that was a great, great pick by me last week. <laughs> I tried to talk you out of it. I know you did. Uh, uh I I wish I would have seen that Thanksgiving game. I did not see any of that game, so I really can't even compare it to anything other than the final score, and I know LaShawn McCoy ran quite a bit. Um, yeah, I, I can't pick against Philadelphia in a night game. If this was at noon, I could maybe see Dallas winning, but I I guess I just don't see Dallas beating them in Philadelphia uh, in a night game, and the Eagles got to be smelling blood against who has still got to be their biggest rival. Saints-Bears, a game that's going to probably not be very good on Monday Night Football next week. 
Yeah, and I don't think I'll watch this one. <laughs> I'll find something else to do next Monday. We can just do a long podcast or something. I just yeah. these are the two probably most disappointing teams in that you just know they're talented. You're like they're going to turn it around now any week, and then they just lose to a bad team and get stomped. And they're they're almost frustrating. I don't like either of these teams, but it's still frustrating for me. I can't imagine what it's like to be a fan of them. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to take the Bears because they're at home, and there's no other reason than that. I I think these teams are both bad. Yeah, I think I'll take the Bears as well. Um, You know what? No, I'm going to. I'm gonna take New Orleans. I'm tired of picking the Bears. I, uh, I don't know. I mean, both of these teams. Yeah, they're. You feel like, like you said, like I don't like either of them. But you're like, come on, have some pride. What's wrong with you? Five and eight. You're both way better than that. Um, I'm. I'm gonna stick with the Saints. I'll just pick the weird upset. Uh, the Bears, I think, are down and out. They're not playing for anything. And the Saints. I for some reason just really hate this team. I. I don't know if it's. Drew Brees is up there in the Russell Wilson category of kind of, I don't know, there's just something about him that rubs me the wrong way, and I, I definitely don't like Sean Payton, and a, that whole bounty thing, I guess, kind of sticks in my craw a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, I said that twice now. <laughs> it, apparently a lot since I repeated it. A lot of it, it. yeah. A, a lot of twice. it. it. It really bothers me. Okay, and then the big game, Packers at Bills. Uh, I'm kind of scared about this one, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I'm scared too. <laughs> I think that uh that defense is a really good matchup against our offense. I think the thing that's giving me confidence though is that Bills offense. I think if uh CJ Spiller was around, I'd probably be even more scared, but I I just think our defense matchup against their offense kind of outweighs maybe their defense against our offense because I think we'll still put up points, but I think I think our defense can shut them down. So, probably low scoring, but I I I like the Packers in a close one. Yeah, I think I'm going to agree with you reluctantly. I think maybe it'll help the Packers that they played so poorly in the second half against the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, so. I think you're right. And Buffalo has been really good. They held all but one of their opponents to 24 points or less, and they held Peyton Manning to only 24 points. But when they played Tom Brady, uh, he absolutely torched them. They, they scored 37 points. I guess he didn't torch them. Manning had 300 yards last week, so... I think 24 points might be enough again, though. It was for the Broncos, and I think it would be for the Packers. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because at the same point, the only time that the Bills have cracked 30 this year were in their two games against the Jets. <laughs> so yeah. um, I'll pick the Packers, but definitely wouldn't be surprised if they lost. you got to think that the Packers... I was playing with the playoff scenarios, and the Packers pretty much have to win out if they're going to win home field, and then it still kind of relies on Arizona. The thing that really sucks is that Seattle has the tiebreaker almost almost everybody. If Seattle wins any one of their last three games, they're going to make the playoffs pretty much, because yeah. they have tiebreakers over absolutely everybody. So uh, We'll see what happens. It's, it's definitely nice to be in this position. I don't know about you, Matt, but after 2011, where that should have been one of the most fun regular seasons of all time, and I was so stressed out for every game, I was so worried about if they were going to lose, and uh, is the defense really this bad, and are they going to have what it takes to win another Super Bowl? This one I am trying very hard to just, let's just see what happens. I'm not expecting a Super Bowl by any means. I'm almost expecting them to lose their first playoff game, wherever it is, but... I'm trying to just say, hey, we have the best record in the NFL with three games to play. Let's just enjoy it because this hasn't happened very often in our our NFL fan history. I think that has a lot to do with coming off the honeymoon stages in 2011, too, is we knew we were the best team. We kind of talked about this last week. We're now we're, we're so hardened from the last few years, and we've seen them lose even if we thought they're the best. So you just don't expect it. So I, I would agree, though. I think I'm definitely appreciating this season more and especially appreciating what Aaron Rodgers is doing. I mean, just watching last night in the first half in awe. So yeah, I think it's good to just sit back and relax and just watch and enjoy and appreciate and you know realize that although if they lose and when they lose, it's going to be devastating, but you know enjoy the season for what it is. I don't think I can add much more to that. So for Matt and Altoona, I am Eric in Oshkosh. Uh, don't forget to interact with us on Facebook, which is Green and Gold Forever Podcast. You can also tweet at us, at Green Gold Forever. That's the number four. And don't forget to catch the Green and Gold Forever preview on KZ Radio. Hopefully they'll play some Richard Marks or something this week, Matt, because, you Ooh, know. That's I, good stuff. I should have known better than to pick the Bears. That's what Richard Marks would tell me. (laughs) All right, so check that out. Uh, Hopefully the Packers can get another win in Buffalo and continue on to perhaps a very special season. So once again, for Matt, I'm Eric. Take care, everyone.